the volume. The Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER, or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY, or text HOPE-NY for New York. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 and 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey, 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 welcome to the sessions, my people, what's up? Some days I feel like I should like really just like belt it out in this intro, like a half-ass it, but what if I just like musical theatered it? I feel like I missed my calling by not doing musical theater. Like I feel like I could have crushed it, but I also just feel like I would have loved it. <laughs> That's like quintessential me being overly confident in my abilities. I was like, yeah, I could do that. No problem. For sure. Um, the other day I was like, I should join um, jujitsu. I should be, I should be doing these things because I'm, or tap dancing. I talked about this uh, not too long ago on the podcast. Um, I sometimes think that there's just these other markets that I've just not tapped into that maybe I should be looking into. Anyways, musical theater could be one of them. Should I join a musical theater group in my late 30s? Mid 30s. Let's call it. We're in the mid 30s. Everyone calm down. Mid 30s. Is that a thing to do? Can I do that? Gosh, that would be a lot of fun. Really living up to my potential, you know? Anyways, let's talk about this episode. Alice in Danger. This woman has been around the pro wrestling scene for some time with, you know her from Shimmer or you know her from Ring of Honor. Most recently, she was brought in as a trainer for NXT. We talk about what that experience was like, what that meant to her, and how that has changed her life drastically. This is a a really crazy story. I mean, at the very beginning of this episode, I talk about how how I know Allison and just like what an exceptional human she is like she's just such a badass looks out for everybody like really selfless um while also just like being like such a cool cool chick so let's just get into it she's gonna tell the story obviously much better that I could ever give some kind of um, preface for it so um here she is this is Allison Danger <laughs> crazy story to tell and some things to like catch us up to speed on. But I want to take people back um, to just us meeting to just give them like a lay of the land of the exceptional human being that is Alice in Danger. So not only 
did so many people say to me, we have a lot of mutual friends being like, we both were living in Vegas at the time. So many people being like, you got to go hang out with Allison Danger. You guys need to get together. You guys would be best buddies, da, 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 all these things. And I'm like, okay, 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 I hear you, I hear you. Um, so you and I had exchanged maybe a couple messages, um, however it went down, text or DM, whatever it was. I get COVID. This sweet woman makes me like a chicken tortilla soup that was amazing with the Fritos. You like dropped that off at my house. Like you were so like COVID protocol safe. You dropped it off at the house and you went back into your car and like told me that it was out there. And that was like how we first met each other was like from my doorstep. You were in your car and I'm like, hey, thanks stranger, like mutual friend stranger that like made me this amazing soup with like all the fixins. It was so amazing. So that's just like a little like foray into the woman that is Allison Danger, this gem. And it's so funny because I would watch you on Total Divas and I would see you talk about like being in Vegas and not having a lot of people there. And I would sit there to my husband and go, Margo, we should be friends. Like, I feel like we would be like, best buddies. We're Canadian. We talk hockey. We live in Vegas. We got wrestling. We got all these mutual friends. And like, there's so many times where I'm going, like, I'm going to hit up like Rhea or, or Natty and just be like, yo, put in a good word for me with Renee. Like we should be friends. Well, they did. I remember Rhea saying something to me. Bailey had said something to me. I believe Natty at some point, like so many people. were trying to make that connection. So yeah, I'm so, it's funny though, because I feel like as soon as we started, like seeing each other and like trying to make some more plans. You came out, we rented the ice. We went and like skated around a little bit. Then COVID happened and everything shuts down and you move, we move. Goodbye, Vegas. It's so funny because I got to Orlando and I'm living in the hotel for the first few weeks. And I was talking to Lenny Leonard and he goes, yo, have you like talked to Renee yet? And I go, what about? He goes, did you ever tell Renee you moved? And I go, No, (laughs) I did not. No, I did not. Well, when you're in like that moving whirlwind and you're like, oh my God, I've got to pack up my house. I've got to do all these things. Where am I going? Do I have somewhere that I'm moving into? What is this job I'm going to do? It feels like, oh my God, it just feels like your world is falling apart. Well, and it was more complicated for us because like people don't realize, like I guess coach for about 10 months, like my getting hired was like a 10 month process. It took forever just going back and forth, uh, guest coaching. I did the Vegas trial, all that. But the end of that June, June, 2021, my husband got transferred with his job to Greenville, South Carolina. So we had packed up our stuff. We were going to spend the, my, my daughter and I were going to spend the summer finishing up in Vegas and then join him. And then in September, I'm living at a friend's house. We'd given up our house. All our stuff is in storage in South Carolina. And I'm actually getting ready to head to um, Daphne's services. And I get the call. Matt Bloom calls me. He goes, kid, you're in. So that was super emotional because I'll tell you that I have crazy stories. Like I digress a lot. In 2003, Daphne was scheduled to do the very first A to Z show in Japan, which is the former RCM turned into A to Z. And she was one of the two Americans that they were bringing over. Well, she got signed by WWE and was told to report to OVW. So she tells Japan, take my crabby sister in my place. Take my sister, which is our nickname for each other. We were the crabby sisters. And she was like, you have to go to Japan for me. So I went with six or seven days notice. I filled in for her and got my first trip to Japan, got my Ribera jacket. 
And then the day I'm heading out the door to say goodbye to her one last time is the day I get the call to go that I'm in at the performance center. And then between that phone call and being in the car, I think it was four days. And I was, me and the kid, hubby flew in from Greenville. He goes, this is why I didn't move you to South Carolina. I knew you were going to be good. I knew you were going to Florida. And he drove me and KG out to Florida and left us there. He dropped me off at a hotel. Him and the kid flew to Greenville because Kendall was online with school. And I moved into the good old Orlando hotel, which was fun. God, what is it like? Not only like moving, but like that displacement of like, you're going to Orlando, Marco's in North Carolina, KG's with you, then back with him. Like, what is it like kind of just having your family structure not together like that? It sucks. It absolutely sucks. And then like to only be here three months and then to have it all blow up, I have a lot of mom guilt attached to. I feel like I blew my family up and have nothing to show for it. That's brutal. That is absolutely brutal. It's not like Kendall's little. Kendall's 13 now. was 12 when all this went down. Has only known Vegas. Has only known Vegas. All their friends are in Vegas. And, you know, all of a sudden dad doesn't live here. And then all of a sudden we're moving to Florida and, you know, you got to go to a new school and, and whatnot. So it's, it's been rough. It's really, really difficult. But then I look at other families that do it, you know, having wrestlers on the road so many times of the year. Who doesn't love a good rough patch? You know, we all love a good fucking rough this patch. This is either my <laughs> villain origin story or this is the point in the movie where the hero finally makes the big comeback. It's got to go one way or the other because the third option is not good. <laughs> okay, let's run it back just to catch people up to speed. So when did you start wrestling? May 2000. You have like been in the business for such a long time. You you meet your husband, Marco, who for people, if, if you don't know, this is Claudio Cesaro. They, they were tag team partners for forever. You are like just submerged in the wrestling world. Like I feel like you live and breathe this world. You've worked in, you know, many different promotions. You've kind of done it all. Give us like a little like give us a little oral history of uh, of like the career of Alice in Danger. I kind of fell in the wrestling like I knew about it. My brother was a wrestling fan his whole life. Like every Thursday night, our parents would go bowling and I would be getting suplexed in the third bedroom <laughs> because he'd be like getting ready. I always joke with him that he owes me 10 percent of anything he ever earns because I was the very first person he got to beat up. And like you took all those bumps. I was taking bumps from like day one, pretty much. So Steve had his connections with ECW. I ended up like making friends there with like Francine Domery. And I knew Domery from even before when she was at like ECWA in Delaware, like the late nineties. Francine wants to go on a road trip to an indie show, gets me in. Like I just go with her to hang out, end up getting thrown on the show. I'm filling in for um, Sandman's wife. Something happened that night. Peaches didn't show up. Next thing I know, I'm hitting somebody with a kendo stick. My brother's like, a couple of days later, he goes, so how was I? Guy, it was amazing. I love it. He goes, well, good, because they asked if you'd come back. And he goes, but if you're going to do it, you got to do it right. I start training. I'm into it. You know, I'm going to take it serious. I just loved it. I absolutely loved it from like day one. Just went crazy for it. So in the beginning, it was like, End of ECW, beginning of the Divas era, you've got Lita, you've got Trish doing great things. Every woman on the independent scene is trying to look like Lita. We all got our thongs hanging out. And I realized as I'm going through here, I'm like, 
getting booked and people are like, we want cat fights. We want this. And I'm like, doesn't, it's not sitting right in my soul. And so I'm going, I got to do something different. I got to be something different. I want to be just like the guys. I want to be like what Steve's doing, what everybody else is doing. Like I was working with Christopher Daniels a lot. So I want to be like Chris Daniels, you know, like at ring of honor, you can't sit at ringside and watch Daniels versus Doug Williams and, and him versus Lokey and, and, and all these amazing people and not learn something and not get better. I owe a ton of my career to just being under that, that learning tree of Chris Daniels. So I start going, I want to be like this. And I'm watching like, you know, Aja Khan, you know, Toyota, um, uh, Aiko Hamada, who is one of my favorites, Mariko Yoshida, who is my absolute favorite wrestler, completely underrated, absolutely love her. And so I start getting around some more like-minded women, Sarah Del Reyes, the Mercedes Martinez, the Daisy Hayes, the Lacey and Rain of the Minnesota Home Wrecking Crew. You know, I meet Prezak through, uh, I think I met Prezak through probably Chris Hero. Hanging out with Hero and hanging out with Chicago guys, like you have no choice but to like put in the work and get better. So we saw a vision of what we wanted women's wrestling to be. Hence, here comes Shimmer. And so Shimmer, around 15 years right now, I'd say we're on a hiatus. I don't know what's going to happen. But so many women that you see today have come through those doors. And it would make my heart happy being at the PC and seeing some of the girls walking in still wearing like their shimmer jackets to the PC. And I was like, you know, you know, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> you know. So, and then 2013 comes around, brain goes, Doc's like, hey man, you can't be getting any more concussions. Okay. So what happened? What do you mean your brain went like, what happened? So in January, 2013, I was teaching an aqua aerobics class, tunnel vision, start slurring, mini stroke happens. Oh, shit. So I'm like, ooh, well, this doesn't feel good. And I thought I had the flu. So I'm like, hey, somebody just drive me home. Like, I just need to sleep it off. Get home. And my husband's like, yeah, this doesn't seem right. Call the doctor. Regular doctor won't get me in. Switch doctors. They get me in a couple days later. And I explain everything to her. And she goes, yeah, you've had a small stroke. I'm like, huh, what now? She's like, yeah, it's probably like a TIA, having to do with concussions, ended up going, neurologist, all that stuff. I have lesions on my brain. So by March, doctor's like, you cannot get hit in the head again, right? So what do I do? Go from the doctor's office to the airport, boom, right to Jersey from Vegas, do a pay-per-view. We do like a little eye pay-per-view for Shimmer. And uh, I mess with Serena Deep. See, at this point, I'm not telling anybody something's wrong with me. So I remember it was me, Leva Bates, Serena Deeb in a tag match against uh, Allison Kay, Sassy Steffi, Jessica Havoc when they were the Midwest militia. Leva's in there, they're beating her up and there's popcorn being burnt in the building. And I just lean over to Serena and I go, is that popcorn you smell or is this another stroke? And she's like, oh my God, Dean, you stop it. Cause she only her and Leva knew. I didn't tell anybody else in the match. I didn't tell anybody in the back. I'm like, she's like, stop it. I go in, I hit a move. I look at Serena and I go, stroke a genius. Like just, cause I just, I have to laugh at it. So it doesn't break me. 2013 was a dumpster fire anyway. Uh, I got diagnosed with skin cancer that year. My husband got carjacked at gunpoint that year. I got forced into retirement that year. Jeez, fuck 2013. Oh, 2022 is trying its absolute best <laughs> to match it. They're like, we see that you. energy. They're like, hold my beer, 2013. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> when does KG enter the picture? <laughs> that was my uh, wedding night gift. <laughs> <laughs> As the Lord intended, right? 
Surprise! <laughs> like we jokingly, and I've told Kendall this, we've jokingly called Kendall oops for like the first five months till I found out <laughs> it was a girl. <laughs> so um, I went on like an eat, pray, love tour of Europe in 2007. 2006 didn't, it didn't end the best for me. I was really at a low point, uh, having a lot of problems with like massive depression, not sure where I'm going with my life. You know, I'm 29, I'm single. I don't know what I'm doing. Delray was a huge factor in getting my head straight on. Like she moved to the East coast, moved in with me and was like, yo, let's just go to the gym, watch golden girls get ripped and we'll do whatever. Sarah, man, Sarah rules so hard. She's the best. People don't realize, like, I just, I love her. I credit her with really keeping my feet on the ground and like air in my lungs in 2006. 2007, we end up in Europe together. She's in with me with the UK, but then I stick around for like another like two months and do Germany, France, Wales, Ireland. And I'm at this German show in Dusseldorf, Germany, and I see this guy walk in. Here's a crazy story. When Claudio moved to the U.S., Claudio was my roommate. I saw a picture of his Swiss tag partner on the wall with his then girlfriend. Boo, hiss, boo, hiss. No, no, <laughs> absolutely love her. She is my sister wife to this oh, day. I, love I go that. on vacation with her. Her name is Tamara. She's brilliant. I love <laughs> my her. My sister wife. <laughs> so I remember seeing a picture of this guy like three years before I met him. I'm at this random show in Germany, and I see him walk in, and I'm like, "Ooh, wow." I'm like, that's Claudia's friend. And I remember going, wow. And I lose my breath for a second. I'm like, I got to meet this guy. So I tackled him, ran up right past the group of wrestlers we was with. The only one I remember being with us was Emil Satoshi. I don't know who else he was with. I just tackled him. And I thought I got struck by lightning. End up hanging out that night. We both have matching Claudio Castagnoli shirts because, you know, we love Claudio. The very first picture we have together is us wearing Claudio shirts. And I have it framed in my bedroom. So yeah, we hang out that night and we joke about like running away together and going to the U.S. And yeah, three months later, we're engaged. 11 months after that, we're married. 38 weeks after that, we're parents. How did you balance like momhood and wrestling at the time? It was hard because at that time, not a lot of women were having babies. A couple of people were like, you, you realize your career is over. This is the kiss of death. And I'm like, nah, I can make this work. And for the first two years, KG traveled with me. And I would take Kendall on the road and we had all these aunties in the locker room and I would feed the kids so I wouldn't have an issue inside the ring, have a match, come back, hang out with my kid. And there's like, there's video somewhere of uh, Amazing Kong and Daphne going around with like a two-year-old KG interviewing people backstage at the Shimmer Show. So Kendall got very comfortable being in locker rooms very quick. I just took them everywhere. And then like, you know, Sometimes Marco would take the kid and we just, we made it work. That's what you do, right? I mean, you just, you find a way to make it work. It is what it is, right? As much as like, I know, like, I know it's a lot of work, of course, but what are you going to do? Stop doing the thing that you love doing. And like, it's also like a funny time too, because you're also like hyper aware that you are now setting this example for this little person. You're like, oh my God. Obviously, I must keep chasing my dreams. I can't show her to just stop doing the thing. I mean, I think about things like that all the time for Nora that I'm like, oh, my God, this little kid's just like watching me all the time. I got to like show her things. You can't like stop the hustle. And it's so funny because my nephew Colby is a wrestler. You know, my husband is a wrestler. My brother's a wrestler. Uncle Claudio is a wrestler. Like 
KG's been surrounded by all these wrestlers. And then at one point, I'd say when they were about 11 and a half, almost 12, sat me down, tears in the eyes. I got to have a real serious talk with you, mom. I'm like, Bubba, what's up? I don't know how to tell you this. And like, the kid came out like a year before. So I'm like, what do you got for me, bud? Like that conversation was like super easy. Oh, you're gay? Cool. High five. The, the rule is pick good partners. I go find someone that treats you like daddy treats me. We'll be golden, right? Easy conversation. Done. 100%. Yeah, this kid's yes. coming to me, tears in the eyes. I don't know how to tell you. So I'm just going to do it. I don't want to be a wrestler. And I'm like, Bubba, you've... We've never told you to be a wrestler. We've never asked you to be a wrestler. Like you've never shown any inclination towards it. Like we would take the kid to like WWE shows that Claudio was on because they wanted to see Uncle Claudio. That was their favorite wrestler. They cheered for him. They would WhatsApp him what to do to win his matches. (laughs) And then when he won the uh, Andre the Giant Battle Royal, KG shoots him a message on our phone. See, Uncle Claudio, I told you that's how it works. <laughs> this was like when they were like six or seven, but now, you know, older, Ken's like, I, I want to be an artist and an animator. And we're like, Bubba, your dreams are yours. These are our dreams. Like, you don't have to do it. You can't live our dreams. You have to do your thing. This kid's got like a bracelet making business and they do all this artwork and they have their art stuff on TikTok and whatnot. And I'm just like, you are so much cooler than I ever was at your age. I don't even think I'm that cool. I don't think in the height of my life, I was as cool as that kid is now. <laughs> that's you know, awesome. It just marches to the beat of their own drum. I mean, that's all anyone hopes for when they have their kid is like, you want your kid to like know what they want to do and like figure things out on their own and just to live their own life. You're not living the life of things that either I did or things that I didn't do that I've been trying to like project onto you. Like that's something that I feel like I'm, I'm, I mean, Nora's one, so we're not there yet, but I just, you know, I think about those things of like, you don't project things onto your kid of what they're supposed to, you want them to just do their own thing, be their own people, figure it out. Like how much fun is that to just like watch and see how cool your kid is and like, ah. And for our kid to feel this safe, this young, telling us these things, like, I feel like we're doing okay. You know, I have a lot of mom guilt in my life, especially right now, but like, I look back and and Marco and I look at each other like, but the kid is so cool because they're so grounded and they're just this, you know, super aware of what's going on in the world and what changes they want to make and how they think the world should be. So I'm proud of what we're doing. I think the next generation is, uh, they're doing all right. I think that they have things kind of on the right track. I feel like the future is in pretty good hands with these kids coming through. Fight fans come out swinging with a no sweat first bet on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers get up to $1,000 back in free bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up with the promo code Renee. Bet on who will win knockouts when the fight will end and so much more. So guys, if you haven't tried FanDuel, now is the perfect time to give it a shot. Join now with promo code Renee to get a no sweat first bet. That's up to $1,000 back in free bets if your first bet doesn't win. Exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Disclaimer, 21 in select states. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 
1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 for Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. The TN Red Line, 1-800-889-9789 for Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming, or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. What was it like coming to terms with retiring from wrestling? That's got to be pretty heavy. It was horrible. It was, it was, that happened. And at that point, I'm 13 years in, and I don't really know myself outside of wrestling wife and mom and and I and I really genuinely still don't you know at 22 years and I still haven't figured out what I am outside of wife mom wrestler and everything that comes under that that wrestling umbrella at first I kind of hermited myself I didn't talk to anybody I kind of ghosted everybody I stopped watching wrestling there's like six months where I was just I can't do it I can't do it. I'm, I'm watching everybody live my dreams. And I feel like wrestling at that time, especially with like NXT starting the way and the way they were starting to do the women's revolution and whatnot and how things were changing. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, if I wasn't married with a kid and I was a little bit younger, I would have finally fit the mold because for all those years I was told, hey man, we like your wrestling, but you know, you don't fit the mold of what we're looking for. And so I never actually had a shot with WWE. All those years I was actively wrestling. I never thought I would ever have a shot with them. So when I did have a shot, I was like, me? No, stop. So I was a little surprised. I I thought I was getting ribbed. Um, But then it got worse because I had something on my face. Next thing we know, I have cancer, like skin cancer. And they're telling me that it spread this way and they're going to take my eyelid. And so the night before my surgery, I got officially diagnosed on a Thursday and Tuesday, I was heading to the plastic surgeon's office. If you're in Vegas, Dr. Fife on sunset is the man because I had 30 stitches in my face. And unless I have my glasses off, you can't really tell. I have a little eye droopy issue that I get a little bow in to keep it lifted. So eventually I'll need an eye lift because they had to cut a nerve. So I had that and that took a little bit to heal. And so 23rd, and then like two weeks before my surgery or two weeks after, I think it was two weeks before Marco got carjacked at gunpoint in our apartment complex outside a bedroom window where KG and I were sleeping. It's so crazy how like when it rains, it pours like that where you're like, can we just get a break for a second? Holy shit. That trifecta broke me. I ended up uh, having to see a doctor getting on medication that did not help. So I ended up having to like wean myself off, but it like destroyed my metabolism. And I was just like, I will find other ways to make this work because this is not working for me. And then started slowly getting back into wrestling, started coaching more, doing seminars, uh, focusing on like commentary, stuff like that, helping like run shimmer, going and trying to help other like companies and so on and so forth. And I just kind of like low key, just put my nose to the ground, went behind the camera and was like, let's keep it going. Okay. So I feel like we've understood 
your journey through wrestling, your love of wrestling. Then you're forced to retire. Um, years past, you're doing these things, the seminars, the coaching, dipping your toes back into it, being back in wrestling. But then this opportunity comes up for you to go be a coach at NXT. What was that opening there? What was the conversation for you to maybe go see what that was about? So my original understanding was they were going to have me guest coach sooner, but then the pandemic hit. So that got put back because I'd gotten a message going, hey, is it okay if we give your information to Matt Bloom? And I'm like, that'd be amazing. And then nothing happened, nothing happened. Pandemic, they're dealing with their thing. It ends up coming up. Matt introduces himself through my brother. We get to talk in. He's like, hey, we want to have you come out. I come out. I do a week. Everything feels good. I really enjoy it. What is like that first week like, though? Like when you first show up there, like what? Because I feel like when you're going in there to be a trainer, I feel like you're almost going through like a training to see if you're a good fit for it. Like what? What's that like? You get to follow other coaches. Like you don't come in, just have your own class. Like at least with me, they didn't. Uh, I get to go in. I get to follow other coaches. Um, Who were you working with? I jumped in with my brother. I jumped in with Fit and I jumped in with Ace Steel. I think I might've followed Terry too. I stayed extra. I'm like, I'm here. I got a hotel. I got a rental car. I have no family here. Like, well, I got Steve, but like kiddo and hubby are back in Vegas. Like I'm going to spend as much time as possible in there. It's a pretty amazing spot to spend some time, to be honest. It's so cool. Like people don't realize like yeah, it's how awesome. amazing. I have nothing but love for the performance center. Even now, with- me too. I, I love the performance center. I think it's like, it's such a cool spot. I'm the rings all set up. The like the ramps, we will work on entrances. The gym alone is like, oh my God, uh, that gym. Coach Sean and Coach Sarah at the gym. Yeah. Oh my God. Coach Sarah was so funny. Like we had a lot of fun together. So then, yeah, I'm in, in end of November, beginning of December. I'm back at the end of January. Now they have me for two weeks. I'm like, okay, this is cool. Then things get quiet for a little bit. Now I'm back in May. And I'm like, all right, this is great. And every time I'm going, they're like, hey, we want to make this happen. You know, it just, it goes slow. So we're just going to keep bringing you back and forth till we can make it permanent. But they told so you me- you were going back to Vegas during this. Yeah. So I'd go back okay. to Vegas. So I'd come for like yeah. a week or two, go back to Vegas, come for a week or two, go back to Vegas. But they had told me from day one, they're like, if we can make this permanent, you have to move here. And so Marco and I were on board. Okay. This opportunity happens. The whole family's moving to Orlando. So May happens. I'm there. I'm back in July. I shoot my shot. I'm like, is this happening? Also, you know, you guys have SummerSlam happening in Vegas. You guys are going to do a tryout. Can I, can I be a part of that? I'm like, I want to, I want to see how a tryout goes. Right. I end up getting on to the Vegas tryout. So I get to go stay at the MGM. We do that. That's where like, I start getting the little Vegas recruits who became like my little Vegas babies. And then all those kids that they signed get signed. And then I'm the last one to get the call. And that was right after we lose Shannon. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is so full circle. And at that point, Marco got his opportunity in Greenville. So he's gone. And it's just me and KG wrapping things up in Vegas thinking, okay, we're, I'm not getting the call. We're just going to go to, we're just going to go to Greenville. We're looking at like buying a house. And then they get the call. They're like, no, you're in. How quick can you be here? And I'm like, I can start. Uh, I'll be there. They'll take me four days to get there. We were there in two and a half. Uh, I can start that Monday. He's like, you don't need time to get selling. I'll be in the hotel. I'm good. I'm good. 
what were the things that like, like when you were coaching, what were the things that you loved kind of teaching to other people? What were some of the things that you wanted to do? Not necessarily to make a change because I do feel like the performance center is like a pretty well-oiled machine, but what were some of the things that, that really like stuck out to you? So I feel like my wheelhouse is like, I do the, I, I'm the tweaks. I see things and I go, okay, you run that to that, but if you switch it like this and move it out of this corner, it's like a little orchestra in my head. I have like a very weird brain for wrestling. Like I'll watch it and I'll be like, that's good. This little change makes it better. Okay, this is a great moment to bring in that character. Uh, don't run it out of this corner, run it out of this corner. Like, cause I think ideally we can shoot it from this way. So I, I feel like that's my wheelhouse. Yeah, I can go and I can teach you. I can teach you how to bump. I can teach you how to run the ropes. I can teach you this, that. I think there's people who are better at it than me, um, but I can do it. I can get it done. But I feel like I'm that little person that does those little nuances. That's, that's what I loved. And it's great because like, especially at the time, like when everything went down, there was, we had great coaches and they all brought something different to the table. What Terry Taylor brings is different than what fit brings. What fit brings is different than what Johnny Moss brings. And you know, like my brother has got his whole thing. He's Ted Lasso. Like, have you watched it? <laughs> yeah, I have. He's Ted and I'm coach beard. <laughs> like beyond a shadow of a doubt. Like, I'm definitely the beard to his lasso, but he, he has that big heart and he has that warmth that people gravitate to. You know, I have that little bit of mom in me. Oh yeah, definitely. Like, All right. Is everybody good? Okay. Hey guys, this is what I need. Like I'm, I'm firm, but I'm warm. Yeah. We like a little warm, authoritative mom figure. We do love that. You're not going to get any bullshit by me. But I also like, if I see members of the PC having a bad day, I got time. Hey, Go for a walk with coach. Are you okay? Do you need anything? Do you just need someone to talk to? Because a lot of us guys are young. Guys and gals, they're young. Like we got some like 19, 20. And I'm like, you, like you're on your own for the first time. Like, are you okay? Like, do you have this? Do you have this? Do you, you know, I was a Girl Scout troop leader for a while. And one of the things we always taught our troop was you should have five people, five adults, five people that you trust implicitly that you can go to at any point. And I believe that with like adults too, you should have people that you can go to. If you're having a rough day, go to them. And so, but I, I feel the same way. And I was trying to be that person of, Hey man, like if you need to, you can come talk to me. You got me. I'm here for you. Like that motherly approach. Who were some of the people that were really standing out to you at the time? Like who are people that you see either could very easily be on NXT TV, show up to Raw, SmackDown? Um, what's the future looking like at the PC these days? They've got some good future. Now, I did the December tryout. I saw a couple of people get hired from there. One of those being Roxanne Perez, uh, formerly a Roxy from Ring of Honor. We had a funny little moment in the bathroom because I came out of the bathroom and I'm washing my hands. She's washing her hands. And I said, hey, you know, welcome to the PC. I'm, I'm Coach Carino. Nice to meet you. Because I didn't get to go by Allison Danger there. They wanted that. They wanted that to <laughs> I couldn't be Coach Danger. I couldn't be Coach Allison. And I don't like going by my first name. Only like super duper close to me because Allison is my middle name. Like only if you're super duper close to me, do, do you call me by my first name? But like... They were doing it at the PC. I'm like, oh, like the shimmer girls would be like, be like, we, we don't like this. 
I'm like, the joke was I was Carino 2.0 cause I came in right around the 2.0 time, right? So I was like, hey, I'm Coach Carino, nice to meet you. And she's like, oh gosh, thank you. I'm like, hey, from one ROH gal to another, like I'm gonna be watching out and I'm gonna be making sure like, you gotta go impress me there kid. And then you just see her look at me go, oh God, you're danger. Oh, oh. And I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. She's like, I, I didn't recognize it. I'm like, it's okay. I'm older. I'm a little thicker than I was. I didn't have the gray streak in the early days. You know, like, it's okay. You didn't realize this. But I go, I was the first ROH girl. You were the last. Like, I feel like it came around. So I had to keep an eye on her. So I'm really excited. She just, she just won that breakout tournament. I think Tatum Paxley is going to be something. Ivy Nile already killing the game. I think the world of Ivy, I like her work ethic. If I don't say Zoe Stark, she's going to get mad at me because I was her trainer before we both got signed. She did one match for Shimmer and boom, she was within two weeks, she was off to a tryout. She was doing great. I think she's going to be something special. But I mean, there's like a lot of great people. So overall, it sounds like you had a good experience at the Performance Center. Yeah. Even on a bad day, I loved it. Every morning I would show up and before I walked through those doors, I would tell myself or I would tell Steve if we were having a cup of coffee, I'd be like, I get to come to work today. Not I have to come to work. I get to come to work today. Even on like the hardest days, the roughest days at TV or just like just a day where things just didn't go right. I still went home and I go, tomorrow's going to be a good day. We're going to learn from whatever went down bad today. And every day I'd wake up and I'd throw my PC shirt on and my I put my all blacks on and I'd be excited to go to work again. So what happened when you got the call that you were being released? What led up to that? And what was sort of the fallout of that? Came out of nowhere for all of us. Some of the coaches that got let go were still in the performance center working with people. We got it right at the end of open ring because, you know, we have we have scheduled classes and then there's open ring where people can come and meet up with coaches and I normally did a lot of those open rings with Thatcher, Birch, Steele. You know, just for me, just the more I could be there, the more I could do, the better. And I had slipped out after the first open ring. I had talked to Birch and I kept going to, to him and ACL. I'm like, I hate leaving early. I hate leaving early. It's my kid's first day of this brand new school in Orlando. They've never ridden a bus before because KG went to a charter school in Vegas. Never ridden a bus nervous that they're going to get off in the wrong neighborhood. And so I was like, do we have enough? They're like, yeah, we have enough coaches to get by. Just go like, you got this, go take care of your kid. I was picking KG up and we were going to go out to go have a special dinner to celebrate the very first day of new school. And my phone rings and Hey coach, where are you? Hey, I'm just grabbing my kid from the bus stop. Um, Do you need me to come back to open ring? I can be back in 20. And they're like, no, um, we're calling with bad news. And I'm like, is is everything okay? And they go, we just got word that they're going to restructure the performance center and we have to let go of eight of you. And unfortunately, they're not going to let us continue with your contract. And at that point, my kid's getting in the car. And I feel bad for the person who called me because it was not his fault. It was just really bad timing. I'm glad the person who called me was the one that called me because I think the world of him and I respect him. And I just like, I just froze. And I'm like, 
you have to get rid of eight coaches. And the next thing is, is my brother safe? I'm like, you have to tell me, are you going to fire my brother? Like, are you getting rid of him? They're like, no, no, no. I'm like, you wouldn't lie to me. And they're like, we're literally releasing you and you're asking us about Steve. And I'm like, what, what am I going to do? I can't negotiate anything. I just need to know if he's going to be okay. Like that was my initial fear. And then I get off the phone and I call my husband and he goes, what's wrong? And I go, I just got released. And they said, it wasn't my fault. There was nothing I did wrong. Like I'd literally gotten a text a couple of days before about we were all doing great jobs and how happy they were with the current roster. And I was told, you know, if they could bring me back, they would in a heartbeat and like not to make sure that I know it wasn't a reflection on me. It was a change from the higher ups going, Hey, we are just, we're going to restructure and that's that. And that's it. And I'm like, and I was numb. And then I cried and then I was numb and then I cried and then I'm sitting there going, what am I going to do now? Like, could you have not fired me a week before? So I could have packed my kid up, moved them up with my husband and then followed up if possible. Like it's their first day of school. Like how do I, how do I rip my kid out of this? I, my kid has gone through a pandemic where they didn't get to go to school and didn't see their friends for two years. Everything was done on balconies and this, and they finally get to go back to school. And now, Hey, we're moving to the East coast for sure. So now I'm ripping them out of school and they get put online. And so they have to struggle with being online home in a new place in Florida. They have no friends. We have nothing showing off and mom's working these hours and dad's working these hours And finally, like everything settled. Christmas got canceled because I got COVID from the December tryout. So our first Christmas all apart, my husband was making it down. And literally he walked in in a mask. We watched Kendall unwrap presents. And then he went straight to the airport and flew right back. And then I'm back to work three days. And that's it. I feel like... I got brought to Florida and then left to die because now my family split. We're struggling through that. I'm still now five months out. I have nothing to show for it. And I still have no idea what I'm going to do. This has been a rock bottom year. I mean, it's awful to go through that. And it's, you know, I know so many people were put in these bad spots during COVID and all that, then you look at all the changes that are happening within WWE and it's like, I don't feel like anybody was on sure footing during any of that. Like nobody, I think even like the who's who of people that have been there have been like, oh my God, wait, what is happening right now? Um, I'm sure there must be a little bit of like solace in knowing that this was not a you thing, you know, like, you know, at least there's not that knock on on you and what you bring to the table. It's just the entire place is turned on its head trying to figure out its thing. So your value and what you bring to the wrestling world, that is there. That is 100% still a thing. And like, thank God, there's all there are other options. There's other places. There's things that are happening and phone calls to be made and meetings to, to be had. That's where the mind fuck comes in because... 
there hasn't been phone calls. I feel like everybody landed on their feet, but me. Been it, and it's to the point where I'm like, is the universe telling me this is it? This is done? Like, I chased the dream. I got it for three months, and I'm financially devastated. I'm emotionally like, what am I doing? And now I'm going, is this it for me? I have no idea what the future holds. If I weren't a mom, it wouldn't be so bad. But what happens to me happens to my kid. That's the part where it's just is like a dagger. What does Marco um, say during this? I mean, I know that he's in, sorry, did you say he's in North or South Carolina? He's in South Carolina. Like he's doing his best, but now he's the breadwinner for two homes. So that's not easy. So that's a lot of pressure. So he sees how much he misses his family because they're away. Now he sees the financial pressure of, you know, we're stuck in a lease because I had just gotten this place that I'm in. So um, we're trapped in a lease. You know, now he's the breadwinner. He sees me going through hell and he can't do anything. So that can't be great for him either. So it's just a rough, it's a rough spot for the whole family. And he tries to be positive, but it's, it's hard. And it's really, really hard to be positive. But I'm like, you know, my brother tells me, he's like, hey, what do we believe in? We believe in hope. Yeah, it's rough when you like, like, I feel like God, when, when like that bottom hits and, you know, I think, God, I mean, so many people can relate to f- feeling like they've hit that like rock bottom and where do I go from here? What do I do now? Um, yeah, it's God, it's like back to the drawing board. What else are things that I can do? What are the things that I bring to the table? What are the connections that I have to try to piece some things together to bridge that gap? Um, and yeah, I mean, having a kid definitely <laughs> makes that. Uh, a more difficult situation. She's in South Carolina now? For the summer. Yeah. So out of school. So I sent kiddo up there so they could have as much dad time. And then I'm trying to like do some freelancey stuff here in Florida to, to keep the house. And then um, I'll travel back and forth. And then by the end of the summer, we have to figure out like, hey, are we all going to get back together? Uh, sorry, I just want to give like a side. I just realized I was, I just got her pronoun wrong. I'm sorry for that. No, no, you're okay. It, it takes a little bit. And like, KJ's super cool when that, you know, like took mom and dad a little bit to get used to it. And then we get the pronoun. I just caught myself. And as I said it, I was like, oh, you fucked up, dummy. No, My no, bad. it's sorry. true because like, no, it's all good. Like the kid's so graceful with that. And uh, Kendall's like, oh, mom, if they try, as long as, long as they try, you know, like not everybody's going to get it right the first time. And, you know, it like just changing the habits of doing it. And, you know, Marco and I have said like changing the pronouns is one of the easiest things we could do as parents to make our kid feel safe and accepted. I'm like, this is like one of the easiest things we could do as a parent is just breaking the habit of using, you know, using they, them instead of she, her and stuff like that. And so, and then I just find that this part, point in my life, I just kind of naturally default to they, them, especially when I meet Kendall's friends. Cause I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. They, them, they, them until they correct me. You, you do what you do to make your kid feel loved and safe and know that. And to be figuring out in the teen years, as opposed to twenties, thirties, forties. Ahead of the curve. Honestly, nice to have like some self-awareness, know yourself, know what you want. It's, it's really powerful. It's very, very cool. 
Smart kid. Smart kid. Football fans, check out the Three and Out podcast with John Middlecoff only on the Volume Podcast Network. John brings his unique perspective as an ex-NFL scout to the volume to break down all the news around the NFL and college football. Whether you're looking for game predictions, coaching searches, the ins and outs of the NFL front office, even an occasional golf tip, John has you covered. Download 3 and Out with John Middlecoff, only on the Volume Podcast Network. When you look at the things that are going to be happening with Ring of Honor or what the future looks like with Ring of Honor, what is your take on what has happened with Tony Khan purchasing ROH? I love that he purchased it. I love that it's not going to go away. Even at the end of the, the most recent run, it looked different than where we were at that Murphy Rec Center in Philadelphia. But like, I'm happy that it's going to go on. And deep down selfishly, do I want to get my fingers into it? Oh my God, yes. I'm like, it would be so cool. Oh, every day, every day I'm manifesting. Hey, manifest that shit. Put it out into the universe. I feel like you already have like ownership on some of that, you know, like that's, that's your spot. That was my heart and soul. And we had a good group of women working there. And like everything was to take the women of honor division. I know they don't call it that anymore, but that's what it was to like take that division and make it something special. And everybody like played the role and did their part. And we worked on like, you know, I would help organize photo shoots. It'd be okay. We're at a weekend. Be like, Lacey, the website hasn't had pictures of you in a while. Girl, I need to get you in front of a camera. We needed everybody to help promote each other, make each other look good. I remember getting hurt at an ROH show and Tracy Brooks jumps on top of me and she's like, you okay? I'm like, no, I'm hurt. And she's like, all right, well, we got to make this look good. So she takes her sweater off. She goes, everybody loves boobs. Takes her sweater off, starts choking <laughs> me with it. So I didn't have to bump like we planned. She's like, I'm everybody gonna do- loves boobs. She's so funny that way. I'm like, ah, oh, Tracy. She's like, no, man, I'm good. I'm good with this. But like, she protected me in a way that we still wanted to get the animosity between the second city saints and the prophecy to keep going and stuff like that. So no, I manifest every day that I'm going to get that call. And he's going to be like, can, can I talk to you about like ROH? And I'll be like, yes, please. Cause this was my baby once and it can be my baby again. It'll be my great, my wrestling grandbaby. I'm fine with that, you know, but um, no, I'm so happy. And I, I love that AEW is given like women a lot of opportunity I love what Impact's doing with their women. Like, huh, did you see what those ladies did at that pay-per-view? At Slammiversary? You better believe I got eyes on that. I texted Chelsea like a day or two later. I'm like, girl, what are you doing? What are you doing? She's like, I'm okay. I'm like, don't lie to me. Are you taking an ice bath? Are you getting like, like I mommed her. But I was like, what did you two do? I'm like, tell me you're okay. Because I get mad when they take those moms. But then I get like super duper proud because I'm like, look how far it's come. Look how far it's come that we're doing that stuff. Just you telling your story of like the things that you wanted to do and were doing 
are now finally being like done and celebrated on that big stage and the women are really getting those opportunities. I feel like I've had this conversation with Beth Phoenix so many times and like she did get to get her flowers. Like I'm so happy that Beth got to kind of like circle back. I mean, not to the full extent. I would have loved to have seen like a really solid Beth Phoenix run, um, but I'm glad that she did get to get in there, got to, you know, work with Edge, have those moments. But she's somebody that like, I mean, so many girls look up to her and to just like lead the lead the charge for the change that needed to happen for women in professional wrestling and you certainly are one of those women that really helped to to pave the way for so many of those girls so beth and i broke in relatively close and we only ever had one match together and that was the very first shimmer show we wrestled back when she was wearing the one piece with the bow tie and bryce remsburg was our referee I remember looking at her and I was like, well, we're between Cheerleader and Melissa versus Mischief, which when we booked that, we're like, this is either going to be really great or horrifically bad because it was two different styles. And then we were semi-main and then it was Mercedes Martinez versus Sarah Del Rey. Yo, there ain't nothing we're doing that's topping that. So I looked at Beth, I go, you want to do Gaga? And she goes, yeah. I'm like, sweet, see you out there. High five. And we just went out there and we just goofed off for like, 12, 15 minutes. And it's the only time Beth and I ever actually got to work together. But we did shows. We did a lot of like uh, WXW out of Pennsylvania together. That's how we met and stuff like that. But like, I see what she did. And I see like the team of her and Natty, what they did. And they like broke down barriers. They made it okay, acceptable, and like desired to be thicker, healthier, muscular, you know? Keep it thicker than a snicker. I always used to tell Wendy Chu that. I'd be like, girl, we thicker than stickers. And it's always Halloween. <laughs> and uh, that was our little catchphrase at the PC. But like, you know, Beth and Natty were like something different. And that was great because that's what wrestling needed. Yes. You know, we needed something different. And it's more diverse than ever. And there's still more that we can do. There's still more work to put in in terms of diversity and in terms of acceptance and stuff like that. Like I remember the early days of ROH, we, the girls had it rough. The fans didn't want us. They were not interested. I used to get death threats when we would come to the ring, fans would turn their chairs around and purposely put their backs to us or make a show of, Oh, it's bathroom time and go. It was rough. And then they slowly started coming around because they were like, you're, you're stealing time from the gun. No, this is time worked into this. We're not taking anything from anybody. And we had a good group of guys in the back that supported us and took care of us. And like, they helped us put matches together and like, you know, help us train and stuff like that. But I don't ever want it to be that bad again. And this was before social media really picked up. I see the hate some of the girls get just for like posting a picture. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. You're, you know, you're too sexy. You're not sexy enough. You're too thick. You're too skinny. You're too this. You're too that. Like, fuck off. How about that? <laughs> fuck the fuck off. There's something for everybody, man. There's something yes. for everybody. What I like in wrestling, other people are like, oh, that's probably boring wrestling. You know, I love that, man. I love that. But like, you know, other kinds of matches, not my cup of tea, but I don't have to crap on them because... Other people like them. I can respect what they're bringing to the table. You know, who I think cute in wrestling might not be who other people thinks cute in wrestling. They would be wrong, but okay. <laughs> to each their own. <laughs> 
to each their own. Uh, yes. Well, listen, I am so happy I got to have you on here. You know, I think just for people hearing a story like this, and just to hear from you and to know the things that you have been through and the things that you bring to the table mm-hmm. and you're going to persevere and you're going to push through this. It's all it's yeah. going to be fine. I know it's, you know, I can say that and I, I know what it's like when you're, you know, you're going through uh, the, the trenches like that, but you've got this. I got good people around me. Yes, you do. And you're so immensely talented and you have such a, an amazing energy and all of those things. So nothing but love for you. Oh, nothing but love to you back when we finally got to be friends. I know. Finally. Well, listen, I'm, I'm glad I got to see you. You look great. So take that. So much more hair than last time we did a podcast together, right? Yes. Isn't it crazy? I have a lot more hair than last time we did it too. Look at us go. Listen, you have some good hair and a red lip. Nobody can fucking stop you. Never forget that. Thanks to Allison Danger for coming to hang out with me. I, you know, I think so many people can relate to that feeling of like that, like when she kept saying, like when she said that the rug got pulled out from under her and she kept falling and falling and falling and falling. Um, that can be such a shitty time to be in. I think we've all been there, um, all feeling that like the, the walls are closing in on us and when does the falling stop? But the falling stops, the falling always stops. It always does. It's just, you know, I know when you're in the thick of it, it doesn't always feel that way. So thanks to Allison for coming on and talking about uh, just where she's at and what she's going through and where she's been, all of those things. Uh, Very, very relatable. Um, And God, I just hope to see her pop up somewhere. I know she just brings such a value to wrestling, to women in wrestling, to having that vision, to just being somebody to lean on and somebody to depend on. She's amazing. So I I really hope that some doors open up for her. She would definitely be a huge, huge asset wherever she winds up. So putting that out there, we're putting that into uh, the universe for her. It's all about manifestation. Get it out there. All right, y'all. Thanks for hanging with me. Uh, You know what to do. Subscribe. Check out the YouTube. Also, that I think is nice is going over to Apple or wherever you subscribe and give it a little rate and a review. Those are nice to have. So if if you're feeling up to it or you're feeling um, generous today, help a sister out. I'm going to go look into musical theater now. Bye guys. This has been the sessions.